Act Three of The Devil is an Ass by Ben Johnson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Three, Scene One A Room in Fitzdotrell's House. Enter Thomas Guilthead and Plutarchus. All this is to make you a gentleman. Oh, have you learned, son, wherefore had I placed you with Sir Paul Etherside but to have so much law to keep your own? Besides, he is a justice here in town, and dwelling son with him you shall learn that in a year shall be worth twenty of having stayed you at Oxford or at Cambridge or sending you to the inns of court or France. I'm called for now in haste by Master Meercraft to trust Master Fitzjartle, a good man. I have inquired him eighteen hundred a year. His name is current for a diamond ring of forty. Shall not be worth thirty, that's gained, and this is to make you a gentleman. Oh, but good father, you trust too much. Oh, hey, boy, we live by finding fools out to be trusted. Our shop books are our pastures, our corn grounds. We lay them open for them to come into. And when we have them there, we drive them up into one of our two pounds, the Comte Strait. And this is to make you a gentleman. We citizens never trust, but we do cousin, for if our debtors pay, we cousin them. And if they do not, then we cousin ourselves. But that's a hazard everyone must run that helps to make his son a gentleman. I do not wish to be one, truly, father. In a descent or two, we come to be just in their state, fit to be cousined like them. And I had rather have tarried in your trade for since the gentry scorn the city so much, methinks we should in time, holding together, and matching in our own tribes, as they say, have got an active common counsel for it, that we might cousin them out of rerum natura. Hey, if we had to act first to forbid the marrying of our wealthy heirs unto them, and daughters with such lavish portions, that confounds all. And makes a mongrel breed, father. And when they have your money, then they laugh at you, or kick you down the stairs. I cannot abide them. I would fain have them cousined, but not trusted. Enter Meercraft. Oh, is he come? I knew he would not fail me. Welcome, good Guilthead. I must have you do a noble gentleman a courtesy here, in a mere toy, some pretty ring or jewel of fifty or threescore pound, make it a hundred, and hedge in the last forty that I owe you, and your own price for the ring. Aside to Guilthead. He's a good man, sir, and you may hap see him a great one. He is likely to bestow hundreds and thousands with you if you can humour him. A great prince he will be shortly. What do you say? In truth, sir, I cannot. It has been a long vacation with us. Of what, I pray thee, of wit or honesty? Those are your citizens' long vacations. Good father, do not trust them. Nay, Tom Guilted, he will not buy a courtesy and beg it. He'll rather pay than pray. If you do for him, you must do cheerfully. His credit, sir, is not yet prostitute. Who's this, thy son? A pretty youth. What is his name? Plutarchus, sir. Plutarchus. How came that about? That year, sir, that I begot him, I bought Plutarch's lives, and fell so in love with the book as I called my son by his name, in hopes he should be like him and write the lives 
of our great men. In the city, and how do you breed him there? His mind, sir, lies much to that way. Why, then he's in the right way. But now I had rather get him a good wife, and plant him in the country, there to use the blessing I shall leave him. Out upon't, and lose the laudable means thou hast at home here to advance and make him a young alderman, buy him a captain's place for shame, and let him into the world early, and with his plume and scarfs march through Cheapside, or along Cornhill, and by the virtue of those draw down a wife there from a window worth ten thousand pound, get him the posture-book, and leaden men to set upon a table against his mistress chance to come by, that he may draw her in and show her finsbury battles i have placed him with justice either side to get so much law as thou hast conscience come come thou dost wrong a pretty plutarchus who had not his name for nothing but was born to train the youth of london in the military truth that way his genius lies enter everall my cousin everall oh are you here sir Pray you, let us whisper. Takes Meercraft aside. Father, dear father, trust him if you love me. Why, I do mean it, boy, but what I do must not come easily from me. We must deal with courtiers, boy, as courtiers deal with us. If I have a business there with any of them, why, I must wait. I am sure on it, son, and though my lord dispatch me, yet his worshipful man will keep me for his sport a month or two. To shew me with my fellow citizens, I must make his trade long and full one quarter, and help the spectacle of his greatness. There nothing is done as once but injuries, boy, and then come headlong. All their good turns move not, or very slowly. Yet, sweet father, trust him. Well, I will think. They walk aside. Come, you must do it, sir. I am undone else, and your lady Tailbush is sent for me to dinner, and my clothes are all at pawn. I had sent out this morning, before I heard you were coming to town, some twenty of my epistles, and no one returned. Why have I told you of this? This comes of wearing scarlet, gold lace, and cutworks. You're fine guttering with your blown roses, cousin, and your eating pheasant and godwit here in London haunting the globes and mermaids, wedging in with lords still at the table and affecting lechery in velvet. Where could you have contented yourself with cheese, salt butter, and a pickled herring in the low countries? There, worn cloth and fustian, been satisfied with the leap of your host's daughter in garrison, a wench of a storer, or your sutler's wife, or the leaguer of two blanks. You never then had run upon this flat to write your letters missive and send out your privy seals that thus have frighted off all your acquaintance, that they shun you at distance worse than you do. The bailiffs. Box up on you. I come not to you for counsel. I lack money. You do not think what you owe me already. I? They owe you that mean to pay you. I'll be sworn I never meant it. Come, you will project. I shall undo your practice for this month, else. You know me.
I, you are a right sweet nature. Well, that's all one. You'll leave this empire one day. You will not ever have this tribute paid, your sceptre of the sword. Tie up your wit, do, and provoke me not. Will you help, sir, help to what I shall provoke another for you? I cannot tell. Try me. I think I am not so utterly of an awe unto me melted, but I can do myself good on occasions. Enter Fitzdottrell. Strike in, then, for your part. They go up to Fitzdottrell. Master Fitzdottrell, if I transgress in point of manners, afford me your best construction. I must beg my freedom from your affairs this day. How, sir? It is in succour of this gentleman's occasion, my kinsman. You'll not do me that affront, sir. I am sorry you should so interpret it, but, sir, it stands upon his being invested in a new office he has stood for long, master of the dependencies, a place of my projection too, sir, and hath met much opposition. But the State now sees that great necessity of it, as, after all, their writing and their speaking against duels they have erected it. His book is drawn, for since there will be differences daily twixt gentlemen, and that the roaring manner is grown offensive, that those few we call the civil men of the sword abhor the vapours, they shall refer now hither for their process, and such as trespass gainst the rule of court are to be fined. In troth, a pretty place. A kind of arbitrary court twill be, sir. I shall have matter for it, I believe, ere it be long. I had a distaste. But now, sir, my learned counsel, they must have a feeling. They'll part, sir, with no books without the hand-gout be oiled, and I must furnish. If be money, to me straight. I am mine, mint, and exchequer to supply all. What is't, a hundred pound? No, the happy near stands on a hundred pieces. Why, he must have them, if he will. To-morrow, sir, will equally serve your occasions. And therefore let me obtain that you will yield to timing a poor gentleman's distresses in terms of hazard. By no means. I must get him this money, and will. Sir, I protest. I'd rather stand engaged for it myself than you should leave me. Oh, good sir, do you think so coarsely of our manners that we would for any need of ours be pressed to take it, though you be pleased to offer it? Why, by heaven, I mean it. I can never believe less, but we, sir, must preserve our dignity as you do publish yours, by your fair leave, sir. Offers to be gone. And I am a gentleman. If you do offer to leave me now, or if you do refuse me, I will not think you love me. Sir, I honour you, and with just reason, for these noble notes of the nobility you pretend to. But, sir, I would know why. A motive, he a stranger, you should do this. Everall, aside to Meercraft. You may roll with your fineness. Why, that's all one, if twere, sir, but my fancy. But I have a business that perhaps I would have brought to his office. Oh, sir, I have done, then, if he can be made profitable to you. Yes, and it shall be one of my ambitions to have at the first business. May I not? So you do mean to make a perfect business? Nay, I'll do that, assure you. 
Show me once. Sir, it concerns the first be a perfect business for his own honour. Aye, and the reputation, too, of my place. Why, why do I take this course else? I am not altogether an ass, good gentleman. Wherefore should I consult you, do you think? To make a song on't. How's your manner? Tell us. Do satisfy him. Give him the whole course. First, by request, or otherwise, you offer your business to the court, wherein you crave the judgment of the master and the assistance. Well, that is done now. What do you upon it? We straight, sir, have recourse to the spring-head. Visit the ground, and so disclose the nature, if it will carry or no. If we do find, by our proportions, it is like to prove a sullen and black business, that it be incorrigible and out of treaty, then we file it, a dependence. So it is filed. What follows? I do love the order of these things. We then advise the party, if he be a man of means and havings, that forthwith he set an easy state, if not, at least, that he pretend it, for, by that, the world takes notice that it now is a dependence. And this we call, sir, publication. Very sufficient. After publication now. Then we grant our, our process, which is diverse, either by charter, sir, or or tennis. We're in the challenger and challengee, or with your Spaniard, your provocador and provocado, have their several courses. I have enough on. For a hundred pieces. Yes, for two hundred. Underwrite me, do. Your man will take my bond. That he will, sure. But these same citizens, they are such sharks. Aside to Fitzdotterill. There's an old debt of forty, I gave my word, for one has run away to the Bermudas, and he will hook in that, or he'll not do. Why, let him. That and the ring, and a hundred pieces, will all but make two hundred. No, no more, sir. What ready arithmetic you have. Aside to Gilthead. Do you hear? A pretty morning's work for you, this. Do it. You shall have twenty pound on it. Twenty pieces? Good father, do it. You will hook still? Well, show us your ring. You could not have done this now with gentleness at first, we might have thanked you. But groan, and have your courtesies come from you like a hard stool and stink. A man may draw your teeth out easier than your money. Come, we're a little guilted here, no better in nature I should ne'er love him that could pull his lips off now. Pulls him by the lips. Was not thy mother a gentlewoman? Yes, sir. And went to the court at Christmas and St. George tide, and lent the Lord's men chains? Of gold and pearl, sir. I knew thou must take after somebody that couldst not be else. This was no sharp look. I'll have thee, Captain Guildhead, and march up, and take in Pimlico, and kill the bush at every tavern. Thou shalt have a wife, if smocks will mount, boy. Turns to Gilthead. How now? 
"'You have there now some Bristol stone or Cornish counterfeit you'd put upon us.' "'No, sir, I assure you. Look on his luster. He will speak himself. I'll give you leave to put him in a mill. He's no great large stone, but a true paragon. He has all his corners. View him well.' "'He's yellow.' Upon my faith, sir, of the right black water, and very deep. He's set without a foil, too. He's one of the yellow water. I'll sell cheap. And what do you value this at, thirty pound? No, sir, he cost me forty ere he was set. Turnings, you mean. I know your equivokes. You are grown the better fathers of em late. Well, where it must go, twill be judged, and therefore look you'd be right. You shall have fifty pound for it, not a denier more. To Fitzdottrell. And because you would have things dispatched, sir, I'll go presently and inquire out this lady. If you think good, sir, having a hundred pieces ready, you may part with those now to serve my kinsman's turns, then he may wait upon you anon the freer, and take them when you have sealed again of guilthead. I care not if I do. And dispatch all together. There. They are just a hundred pieces. Turns them out on the table. I have told them over twice a day these two months. Well, go and seal them, sir. Make your return as speedy as you can. Exeunt Fitzdottrell, Guildhead, and Plutarchus. Come, sir, give me. They fall to sharing. Soft, sir. Merry and fair, too, then. Oh, no delaying, sir. But you will hear? Yes. When I have my dividend. There's forty pieces for you. What is this for? Your half. You know that Guilthead must have twenty. And what's your ring there? Shall I have none of that? Oh, that is to be given to a lady. Is it so? By that good light it is. Then, come, give me ten pieces more, then. Why? For Guilthead, sir, do you think I'll allow him any such share? You must. Must I? Do you your must, sir? I'll do mine. You will not part with the whole, sir, will you? Go to. Give me ten pieces. By what law do you this? Even lying law, sir, I must royals. Good. You have heard how the S made his divisions wisely? And I am he, I thank you. Much good to you, sir. I shall be rid of this tyranny one day. Not while you do it, and lie about the tyranny, and cozen in your bullions, and I stand your name of credit, and compound your business. Adjourn your beatings every term, and make new parties for your projects. I have now a pretty task of it to hold you in with your lady, Tailbush, but the toy will be how we shall both come off. Leave you your doubting, and do your portion what's assigned you. I never failed yet. With reference to your aids, you'll still be unthankful. Where shall I meet you, Anon? You have some feet to do alone, now, I see. You wish me gone. Well, I will find you out, and bring you after to the audit.
Exit. Slight. There's engine share, too, I had forgot. This rain is too, too unsupportable. I must quit myself of this vassalage. Enter Engine, followed by Whittapole. Engine, welcome. How goes the cry? Excellent well. Will it do? Where's Robinson? Here is the gentleman, sir, will undertake it himself. I have acquainted him. Why did you so? Why, Robinson would have told him, you know, and he's a pleasant wit, will hurt nothing your purpose. Then he's of opinion that Robinson might want audacity, she being such a gallant. Now, he has been in Spain and knows the fashions there and can discourse, and being but mirth, he says, leave much to his care. But he is too tall. For that he has the bravest device. You'll love him for it. To say he wears chapinos, and they do so in Spain. And Robinson's as tall as he. Is he so? Every jot. Nay, I had rather to trust a gentleman with it of the two. Pray you go to him then, sir, and salute him. Sir, my friend Engine has acquainted you with a strange business here. A merry one, sir, the Duke of Drowned Land and his Duchess? Yes, sir. Now that the conjurers have laid him by, I have made bold to borrow him a while. With purpose, yet, to put him out, I hope, to his best use. Yes, sir. For that small part that I am trusted with, put off your care. I would not lose to do it, for the mirth will follow of it. And, well, I have a fancy. Sir, that will make it well. You will report it so. Where must I have my dressing? At my house, sir. You shall have caution, sir, for what he yields to sixpence. You shall pardon me. I will share, sir, in your sports only, nothing in your purchase. But you must furnish me with compliments to the manner of Spain, my coach, my guard of duenas. Engines, your provador. But, sir, I must, now I have entreated trust with you thus far, secure still in your quality, acquaint you with somewhat beyond this. The place designed to be the scene for this our merry matter, because it must have countenance of women to draw discourse and offer it, is hereby, at the Lady Tailbushes. I know her, sir, and her gentleman usher. Master Ambler? Yes, sir. Sir, it shall be no shame to me to confess to you that we poor gentlemen that want acres must for our needs turn fools up and plough ladies sometimes to try what glebe they are, and this is no unfruitful piece. She and I now are on a project for the fact and venting of a new kind of fucus paint for ladies to serve the kingdom wherein she herself hath travelled specially by way of service unto her sex, and hopes to get the monopoly as the reward of her invention. What is her end in this? Merely ambition, sir, to grow great and court it with the secret, though she pretend some other. For she's dealing already upon a caution for the shares, and Master Ambler he is named examiner for the ingredients, and the register of what is vented, and shall keep the office. Now, if she break with you of this, as I must make the leading thread to your acquaintance, that how experience gotten in your being abroad will help our business, think of some pretty additions, but to keep her floating.' 
It may be she will offer you a part. Any strange names of— Sir, I have my instructions. Is it not high time to be making ready? Yes, sir. The fool's inside, Dottrell. Away, then. Exeunt Engine and Whittable. Re-enter Fitzdottrell. Return so soon? Yes. Here's the ring. I have sealed. But there's not so much gold in all the row, he says. Till it come from the mint, tis taken up for the gamesters. There's a shop shift. Plague on him. He does swear it. He'll swear and forswear, too. It is his trade. You should not have left him. Sad. Ah, I can go back and beat him yet. No, now let him alone. I was so earnest after the main business to have this ring gone. True. And it is time I have learned, sir, since you went, her ladyship eats with the Lady Tailbush here hard by. In the lane here? Yes, if you had a servant now of presence, well clothed, and of an airy, voluble tongue, neither too big nor little for his mouth, that could deliver your wife's compliment to send along withal. I have one, sir. A very handsome, gentlemanlike fellow, that I do mean to make my duchess's usher. I entertained him but this morning, too. I'll call him to you. The worst of him is his name. She'll take no note of that, but of his message. Devil! Enter Pug. How you like him, sir. <laughs> Pace, go a little. Uh, let's see you move. He'll serve, sir. Give it him, and let him go along with me. I'll help to present him and it. Look you do, sir. Discharge this well, as you expect your place. Do you hear? Go on. Come up with all your honours. I would fain see him do it. Trust him with it. Remember kissing of your hand, and answering with the French time, and flexure of your body. I could now so instruct him. And for his words? I'll put them in his mouth. Oh, but I have them of the very academies. Sir, you'll have use for them, anon yourself, I warrant you, after dinner, when you are called. Slide. That will be just playtime. It cannot be. I must not lose the play. Sir, but you must, if she appoint to sit, and she is president. Split. It is the devil. And where his damn, too, you must now apply yourself, sir, to this holy, or lose all. If I could but see a piece. Sir, never think on't. Come but to one act. I did not care. But to be seen to rise, go away. To vex the players and to punish their poet. Keep him in awe. But say that he be one, will not be awed, but laugh at you. How then? Then he shall pay for his dinner himself. Perhaps he would do that twice, or rather than thank you, come get the devil out of your head, my lord, I'll call you so in private still, and take your lordship in your mind. You were, sweet lord, in talk to bring a business to the office. Yes? Why should not you, sir, carry it on yourself, before the office be up, and show the world you had no need of any man's direction, in point, sir, of sufficiency? I speak against a kinsman, but as one that tenders your grace's good. I thank you. To proceed? To publication. Have your deed drawn presently, and leave a blank to put in your fifies, one, two, or more, as you see cause. I thank you. Heartily I do thank you. Not a word more. 
I pray you, as you love me, let me alone, that I could not think of this as well as he. Oh, I could beat my infinite blockhead. Exeunt. Scene two. The lane near the lady Tailbush's house. Enter Meercraft, followed by Pug. Come, we must this way. How far is it? Hard by here, over the way. They cross over. Now to achieve this ring from this same fellow, that is, to assure it before he give it. Though my Spanish lady be a young gentleman of means and scorn to share, as he doth say, I do not know how such a toy may tempt his ladyship, and therefore I think best it be assured. Sir, be the ladies brave we go unto? Oh, yes. And shall I see them and speak to them? What else? Enter Trains. Have you your false beard about you, Trains? Yes. And is this one of your double cloaks? The best of them. Be ready, then. Exeunt. Scene 3. A hall in Lady Tailbush's house. Enter Meercraft and Pug, met by Pitfall. Sweet Pitfall, come, I must bus. Offers to kiss her. Away! I'll set thee up again, never fear that. Canst thou get near a bird? No thrushes hungry? Stay till cold weather come, I'll help thee to an ousel or a field fare. Who's within with madam? I'll tell you straight. Exit hastily. Please you stay here a while, sir. I'll go in. Exit. I do so long to have a little venery while I am in this body. I would taste of every sin a little, if it might be after the manner of man. Hmm, sweetheart. Re-enter Pitfall. What would you, sir? Pug runs to her. Nothing but fall into you. Be your blackbird, my pretty pit, as the gentleman said, your throstle, lie tame and taken with you. Here is gold to buy you so much new stuffs from the shop as I may take the old up. Enter trains in his false beard and cloak. You must send, sir, the gentleman the ring. Hmm, there it is. Exit trains. Nay, look, will you be foolish, Pitt? This is strange rudeness. <sighs> Dear Pitt. I'll call, I swear. Enter Meercraft. Where are you, sir? Is your ring ready? Go with me. Huh? I sent it to you. Me? When? By whom? A fellow here, even now, came for it in your name. I sent none, sure. My meaning ever was you should deliver it yourself. So was your master's charge, you know. Re-enter trains, dressed as at first. What fellow was it? Do you know him? Here, but now, he had it. Saw you any trains? Not I. The gentlewoman saw him. Inquire. Pug aside. Oh, I 
was so earnest upon her i marked not <sighs> my devilish chief has put me here in flesh to shame me this dull body i am in i perceive nothing with i offer at nothing that will succeed sir she saw none she says pug aside <sighs> satan himself has taken a shape to abuse me it could not be else this is above strange that you should be so reckless what will you do sir how will you answer this when you are questioned pug aside oh, run from my flesh if i could put off mankind this is such a scorn and will be a new exercise for my archduke woe to the several cudgels must suffer on this back can you no succour sir alas the use of it is so present i ask sir credit for another but till to-morrow there is not so much time sir but however the lady is a noble lady and will to save a gentleman from check be entreated to say she has received it do you think so will she be won no doubt to such an office it will be a lady's bravery and her pride and not be known on it after unto him that were a treachery upon my word be confident return unto your master my lady president sets this afternoon has tamed this ring commends her services unto your lady duchess you may say she is a civil lady and does give her all her respects already bid you tell her she lives but to receive her wished commandments and have the honour here to kiss her hands for which she'll stay this hour yet hasten you your prince away and sir you will take care the excuse be perfect you confess your fears too much <laughs> the shame is more i'll quit you of either exeunt end of act three